right for another episode of First Strike. This is KYD above the floor. Let's start the show. Let's plug our sponsor, FaceToFaceGames.com, the number one place to get your Magic the Gathering singles, along with other popular card games. Uh, tonight, I'm joined once again by Rob Lombardi, my man. How's it going? What's up? Glad to be back. I keep missing Brian. We don't get to hang out anymore. But oh, Brian just... Andy gets to hang out with Brian <laughs> last time, so... How's it going, Andy? Just fresh from uh, coming back from GP Indy. I'll be I'll be your new fling. That's okay. <laughs> These are uh, two regulars with Brian's work schedule being more hectic, and of course him him trying to split his new job with the game podcast and the show. But always appreciate when he's on. He's awesome, and of course we'll, we'll have him we'll have him back very soon. Um, I do want to mention uh, something that uh, was pretty funky, I guess, that happened to me over. Uh, the past couple of days is that com got sort of uh, hacked, but it wasn't one of the few sites that got hacked. It's like a bunch of hackers decided to exploit, I guess, some of WordPress's security uh, vulnerabilities, whether it's the actual platform itself or maybe it was some of the older plugins that I, I was still using. But uh, Rob will, well, I don't know why I think Rob will smile at me because it had to do with cryptocurrency. What would happen is people would log into mandeprive.com and saw that their CPU, their low was jumping up to 75% or higher. And when I visited the site, I checked it went to 100%, uh, slowing down my whole system to a halt. So basically, these hackers put in some code in there so that visitors were going to mine crypto coins for them. Uh, but I, it's pretty crazy because it's I, I find it weird that the code would make it so instead of like being a little more subtle and using a bit of power so it just keeps so no one realizes that the code is there but it was jamming everyone's system and to, to the point where when I was logging in and trying to fix the problem delete the infected files like my computer would freeze all the time so I'm like I gotta get rid of this stuff so just a heads up to anyone that um change your passwords more often than not. I, I even had a friend lost, lose all his crypto coins last week because he probably uses the same password for, for a multitude of sites. And uh, we've seen that there's data breaches uh, all the time, like of some of these major sites. And if your password is very similar to something else, doesn't take too much effort for some brute force bot to break into your other account. So that's something I've Gotta watch out for, uh, right, Rob? I gotta <laughs> be working. I mean, that's the safest place for your money to be, right? You put it into a file that you can never access. So, <laughs> go cryptocurrency. It's clearly the future. <laughs> hey, people are aggressively are hacking my site so that they can mine it. So, there's definitely a lot of people that that are going. But anyway, that was just uh, my way of telling people to to be careful. Definitely, if you haven't changed some passwords in a while might want to start doing that okay so outside of that was like my weekend of trying to fix my website um andy how was Jim B- gp indy for you indianapolis is a lovely city i got to explore it for a lot longer than i thought i would get to explore it uh the tournament did not go that well for us uh we, we opened what i would consider like an eight and a half or a nine out of ten seal pool but um we just kept we played against a couple bomb rares and just kind of got caught the bad end of variance a few times, which I hate to complain about, but there was, we were just losing games that we had no, there was no way that I could foresee we would lose them. And we just kept losing them anyway. 
and I don't think we played particularly bad, <laughs> but uh, like I'm sure we didn't play perfect, but I don't I don't think we could have overcame all of our losses. It was it was sort of unfortunate, but those are the kind of the lows that you just kind of live with. You try to learn from it what you can. Like maybe it was a deck building problem, and not just we played fine. And you try and uh, move on from there. Just play the next tournament. Who, who who's on your team again? Uh, the Kale Thompson, national champion, GP champion, and Devin Giles, former World Magic Cup member with me, <laughs> who finished better than the last year's. I always remember Devin Giles because uh, I had beaten him in the first round of that tournament, the, the World uh, Magic Cup qualifier, and then he rings off, like he goes on this undefeated streak to make the team. So the kid doesn't quit. The kid doesn't yeah. quit. He didn't quit. Lost one round, round one and couldn't stop winning. Uh, did you open? You open uh, my preview card, our preview card, rather. A uh, two. I opened two of them, and we played both. What? We saw no scenario where it was good. So did it prove better than, than we expected? So like when you draw both, sometimes it's kind of a stinker. But like the plan was that we had uh, three of the five mana three three that makes another three three dinosaur. And just like naturally we would want to hit our hit our land drops even faster because we had a lot of those five drops and other ways to to use our mana well and a lot of two drops. So we thought it'd be pretty reasonable that we would have it online fast enough for it to matter. But uh the the card performed pretty well except when we drew both, honestly. Okay. Did you learn anything from the the new set make the limited format any different for you? Did you learn any lessons to apply for future drafts or future seals? The the synergies in the vampires decks are very, very good. And the synergies of the Merfolk decks are very, very good. And I think if you can like get a deck that's one of those two tribes in particular, I think the payoffs for it are, are way higher than the payoffs of, of the other tribes. Like pirates, for the most part, don't matter at all that they're in a tribe. There's the, the one-mana black card that brings back two pirates. That's like the only big payoff is that you got to get an extra creature back when they, when they all die. But the, the vampire ones, the, all the life gain, an incredible amount of life gain, like, and your creatures all get better, they pump each other, they have evasion, it's everything you want. That tribe is, is nuts. And also, Profane Procession just slides right into that deck. Did you draft, uh, prepare much for this uh, format? Yeah, I played about uh, eight sealed, six to eight sealed, something like that. And uh, I actually think I mentioned this to Rob on Twitter, but because he kept telling me about how he kept playing black white. In my first six, I went black white four times, and in the other ones, I went black white again. So I went five for eight on playing black white in my seal pools because it just had the best removal, and the vampire cards when they work together are just are very powerful, and the payoff of that is more appealing. Even if you're in a regular seal deck where you don't hit the synergies all that often. The cards play well on their own, and when they play together, they're, they're very good. Hmm. Rob, between testing for modern, you've had time to, to get in a few drafts? Uh, I've drafted twice. They both went terribly, but I did play four sealed tech events in preparation for the PTQ on Sunday. And uh, I went four for four playing black-white, and then in the PTQ I played black-white as well. <laughs> 
just uh actually the more mediocre my deck was the the better my results were i had a deck with tetsamok and ripjaw raptor and went like one three or something i just like kept flooding out and dying and i had a deck that was just like a bunch of two drops and three drops and a couple of good removal spells and i easily five would so yeah I, I don't know this format is weird there's just like no way to filter your draws reasonably and there's nothing to do with your mana so like you're just very susceptible to curving out hoping your opponent doesn't and if you both curve out then you need something as a trump card like some bomb that hopefully you can play and 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 kind of like uh take care of the game or you both get to a point where like you're kind of hellbent uh and you've spent all your resources and whoever kind of like doesn't flood out from there is you know pretty handily can can win the game so i don't know yeah i think the format sucks but it's my quick two minute take <laughs> but like you're saying there's no mechanic off the top of my head like i don't know like monstrous or something like that where you can put you can use mana yeah, or like invokers or scry or or like even the deserts were like useful, like cycling, like just something where it's like you can help mitigate mitigate against flooding out. I think those um I don't even know what they're called, they're so irrelevant. Uh there's cards from like um the first Ixalon, like actual Ixalon set. They were like uh I don't know, they usually cost like between one and three mana. And then you can pay like eight and tap them and do something absurd. Oh, that was right. supposed to be like your flood insurance. But like the cards themselves sucked. Yeah, so much. they were really bad. They were the really bad. Were like, yeah, and the ones that were like reasonable, like the green bear, it's just like, okay, but his ability is just like kind of irrelevant in a way. Like you don't really want that in your in your deck. And like it didn't it wasn't a merfolk, it wasn't a dinosaur. So it's like I don't know, man. Like just design better, you know? Like it's just it's kind of pathetic. Wasn't like the red one just like a one one, but it would burn the guy for a lot of mana. It was it was a one mana one one with menace, and you could pay like seven red tap sack it, <laughs> and it would like double bolt something. Like you could like bolt two things, which is like that, that's a that's a sweet effect. It's just like in what deck are you looking for a one one for like menace for one that you also, you know, like oh yeah, my one my deck with a bunch of one drops is like really cares about getting to eight mana. It's like, you need to make it kind of at least relevant to the decks that are, are playing against. I don't know. Yeah, it's okay, yeah, bring yeah. back cons. Just bring yeah. back cons, man. Like morph. Morph is good. You have stuff to do with three mana. You have stuff to do with seven mana. Like, I don't know. You've, uh, you've brought some good points. Uh, Joel Larson actually tweeted, uh, to our champion. This is the best limited format I've played in a long time. And I all, I feel almost confident enough to say it's better than Amon Cat plus our devastation. To which LSV actually replied with three question marks. Uh, Andy, whose side are you on between between Joel and, and LSV? Uh, I, I would have to side with three question marks. <laughs> it's a, it's a much better better argument, a better statement than this format is the best limited format. <laughs> it's uh, not good. You don't like it because the the lack of synergy in, in other color combinations. Uh, what else well, uh, besides what Rob said? So in in regular sealed, you just there's just like a tribal lottery. Like you could open like half and half of like your black cards are vampires or 
or pirates, or even some of them are just humans, so it doesn't matter for either tribe. So you can just miss on the tribal synergies, or you can miss on the payoff for the tribal cards. And like that kind of lottery already compacted with the like uh, people opening like these ridiculous or just rares that, that completely take over games by themselves. Just just makes for like a, a really swingy format, especially in sealed in particular. In draft, you can kind of mitigate that because you, you build your deck with those things in mind. But your deck's going to be much better if you happen to be in those strategies that are so much better. Okay. Moving on from limited, but staying with, with, within GP Indie, um, someone tweeted out. I, I want to see if Rob's going to rant here. Um, Petro Saccarini said, Hey, Talarian College and Chow Fireball, while 200 plus players were battling in the Popper side event at GP Indie, 190 players were doing the same in Milan, Italy, for a total of 400 plus players across two continents. Time to make more than Popper side events? Smiley face? Rob, what, what do you make of this? Does, does this seem more popular than Frontier? Uh, no, it seems exactly as popular as Frontier was. The the month that people said that it was going to be the greatest format and like this, the second coming of Modern or whatever. <laughs> I mean, sure. Cool. They have like a lot of, of big names pushing this down people's throats to make it seem like it's interesting. Uh, and and I think that if if these people truly do love playing Popper for some uh, weird reason, they do not want it to become more than a side event. As soon as it becomes more than a side event, cards start getting banned really fast, and the viable deck like deck pool goes down by probably like eighty to ninety percent. It's just it's like no one good cares about this format. It's like EDH. That's why you get to go do your stupid things and still be able to win. So it looks like a, like from what I can tell on Twitter, a lot of people retweeting stuff about Popper seem to be that kind of person where they want to be able to do their thing. This deck is, format's wide open. I can play rats. I can play, you know, whatever, unicorns. Cool. It's like as soon as you have it as a GP format, that stops immediately after that. Because <laughs> then, then people who are good need to start caring about what, what's, what actually matters. And then it becomes very easy for people to... Uh, to replicate their success um, in a low-skill uh, pool. So, I don't know. Yeah, keep it as a side event. But I'm sure that this time next year, the same as me lambasting Medina about how stupid Unstable is, I'll be able to come back and talk about how Popper is back to its irrelevancy of an online-only format. It's just, uh, here we are in the now, and there's a couple of people that are really excited. Andy, do you agree? You still agree? Did you feel the enthusiasm across in the room? <laughs> I didn't know they were playing Popper anywhere in the room, but like if it's it's gonna it's probably just gonna blow over. And the people who love Popper, like uh, like Rob said, they're the people who don't want <laughs> there to be Popper GPs. They 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 don't know it yet, but they don't want there to be Popper GPs. Otherwise, their whole Tron deck's gonna get banned. Like uh like. Kumbaya, which is all these cards that are like clearly too good for Popper, are just going to slowly get banned. They're either going to get banned or they're going to be like 40 bucks because who can find Kumbaya, which is just like there's a million cards like that. I don't even know what that does. It's like a, it's like a project, it's like a pyromancer, it pings, but it deals one damage. Your opponent can choose to deal one damage to something as well. Okay. But it's in common. 
Okay, well, we are, uh, Popper has an extensive band list, I think, right? Like it does. I remember the Wild Storm West has day. been uh, has been banned quite a few times. So, Temporal Fisher gone. I think what was the last one? Peregrine Drake was the last two uh, when they yeah, reprinted Peregrine Drake. The band all. <clears throat> <laughs> okay, we're gonna we're gonna re- revisit this again. Uh, in a couple of months, not next week or the next GP, we're going we're to see what, what changes or what shifts a couple of months from here to see if how, how Rob's prediction looks. Another thing from the GP, uh, now that the next day on the Sunday, correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, uh, but now they decide, they announced this a couple of months ago, where the PTQ would be the same format as the main event, which is something that people thought was extremely weird the way they did it in 2017 where it was always like the other event just because like people aren't going to drop from the main event and play like hope to play an important event that they prepared for <laughs> but they do the feedback overwhelming feedback i assume they did do this and then lsv's team didn't do well um so he played to the PTQ and Channel Fireball, their Twitter account. We know PTQs really are uh, getting more difficult these days. And uh, it's a picture of LSV, Gabby Sparts, and uh, Telemokos. Um, I forget what his real name is. And then to which Pascal Maynard quickly replies, what are the details of someone already queued being able to PTQ? That's like, it's a <laughs> Pascal's first question <laughs> right off the bat. Um, did you find that strange? Uh, let's start with you, Andy. Well, it, so LSV be, being able to play in a PTQ is strange, but like uh, Watsi, there's a lot of things to think about when uh, doing team events because there's going to be three different people and they could have different qualifications or lack of qualifications. And so the, I don't think Watsi thought of all the consequences of the team events and like the weird the weird angles that can happen in particular with, with team events. Like there's a really confusing thing about the team RPTQ where like hall of famers are allowed to play, but only if they give up their invite and, but LSV is allowed to play in this PTQ with, with two other people. Can two platinums just, just (laughs) carry some kid who gave them a grand. Are they allowed to do that? Like the, the rules on this are a little bizarre because PTQs haven't existed in a while either. It's like except for the side events at GPs. So there's a lot of new things that are, are happening. So I guess Watsi doesn't exactly know what they should or shouldn't do. And I guess it seems like they're erring on the side that lets people play magic more, which which could be considered better because like they just not letting people play magic's kind of a feel bad, but at the same time, like he was already qualified just stealing plane tickets. Andy, what would you say about uh, you can give up? Say that again, just to so I make sure if you can give up. Your... If you're a Hall of Famer, you're invited to every pro tour, but you don't have a flight. You're you are allowed to play in the RPTQ, the team RPTQ, but you have to give up your invitation to play in it to try and win the flight. Who who the heck's gonna do that unless you're trying? You think you're good enough to get your teammates in? I guess. What what if you need that money, man? Need that okay. paper. I guess if you're if you're not going unless you get a free flight, I guess it's like all, all like uh, positive for you, right? You end up with an extra promo, and uh, you're no better off if you scrub out. <laughs> I mean, you're up a promo either way. So, 
seems like a win-win for the Hall of Famer that's like, eh, I don't really feel like paying for this out of pocket. So, hey, you guys free on Saturday? Let's let's go battle. Maybe not Hall of Famers, right? Don't they still get appearance fees? I they changed it. Okay. Uh, I can't remember exactly. Okay, not anymore. How it is not anymore, Andy. Okay, uh, I'm pretty confident. Do, do they get, is it one event? I thought they got plane ticket oh. and appearance fee for one. You event. might be right. You might be right that they get one PT a year. Yeah, I think that's how. But they're invited to everything. They can figure it out and go. But they're yeah. I don't think they get compensated. I don't know. They changed a bunch of stuff that's only relevant for like thirty or forty people. So I, I'm not keeping up with it. <laughs> But uh, yeah, anyways, so back to LSV PTQ style. Um, I, I do think it's weird that like gold plus level pros are allowed to play in a PTQ because like those people, it's just a, such a small group of people. They're definitely going to team with other gold plus pros. You know, like there's a very small percentage of them that are not, uh, especially Hall of Famers. Like LSV was not going to team with Gabby and whatever the other rando that was sitting with them, you know, if they happen to win that event, he's going to team with like Paulo and Nifro or something like that. So, uh, it's just, so then what do those two people do? They now need to find a third that was carried by like two other people that like, or have no interest in teaming with the person that they got queued for the event. That's, I don't know. It's weird. They should probably, uh, not do that. I would suspect. Like silver, it makes sense, you know. Like you're not good enough to probably be on a team. You may not even be locked for that pro tour. You definitely don't have a flight for that pro tour. So cool, you know. <laughs> get get there, right? But for people that are queued already for the whole year, uh, I don't know. So what, what's it's just what, what would be the, the Lombardi rules for this? If you're if you're gold plus, like you don't get to play in BTQs, just like it normally is. <laughs> I would just enforce the rules as they're as they're likely written and not make up special exceptions for these stupid team PTQ things. It's also I guess it's kind of weird the RPTQ system because you can just like drag people in yeah. with you. It was like if you're cute, you just get to bring anyone off the street to come play in an event with you. But I think if you guys if your team wins, I think the three of you have to play the PT as like a as the same team. I don't think you get to like hop off and be like, okay, have fun finding a third. I'm gonna go play on a a real team. I don't I don't think it works like that. So I mean maybe I guess if they would have changed the if they changed the gold rules or they're already like that, where if you play a PTQ with two people who are unqualified and you happen to win, then you're just locked into playing with that team at the PT. That'll probably just like also defer all the gold pros from trying to carry a bunch of people in to the system like <laughs> I don't know. It's just weird. You, you, in no other tournaments can you play an event where you're already qualified, except for this one somehow. So yeah, it's it's just uh, it's it's kind of sketchy. I wonder if you it was actually legal and they just didn't think too much about it at the time. <laughs> well, we're, I haven't seen any response from Watsi on it, so it'd be funny if if LSP gets like a three month ban for like <laughs> violating the tournament rules, something ridiculous like that. But I think Pascal, after Pascal's tweet, some other guy replied and said, like, our team is looking into it or something. So maybe, (laughs) like, they weren't sure about the rules. Uh, But 
So who who gets to play the team PT? Just everyone that that's qualified for it. But what if there's so you have to be three people, right? So what happens yeah. if there's not enough? If it doesn't work out to a multiple of three, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're emailing Sandra from Watsi and asking for a deferral at that point. <laughs> it's like everyone so has the a team. P- you're the one yeah, guy. The P- it's like <laughs> yeah, the, the PT after. Okay, here the hot take. <laughs> the PT after uh, MTG25 team team pro tour will be the most densely populated PT in history. Just because there'll be so many deferrals, because <laughs> so many people are just stranded on the outside without a team, but they have an invite. <laughs> I wonder if they just, uh, if you find anything, they just put you on a blender and just like, here, here's your team. Um, yeah, Andy, any, any insight on that? Like, I'm not sure how that's going to work out. Yeah, things things get weirder and weirder the more I delve into this PTQ thing. So <laughs> as far as I know, so in the RPTQ, you got to play with the people you bring, right? So you got to play the PT with them. But why wouldn't the PTQ be the same? Because LSB already has to play with people on his Pro Tour team. He has to at the Team PT. That's part of the rules. So if he wins, what happens? What will oh, happen? <laughs> True. My brain just exploded. <laughs> Like, what do they do? They're just like, all right, LSV, uh, you're, you're playing with Gabby and uh, is it Justin Parnell? Is that the guy's oh, name? Oh, yeah, 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 it's Parnell. Yeah, I remember people's names, Carr. But, um, uh, so, like, does he have to play with them or does he have to play with his team from the team thing? And, like, what about the Hall of Famers who are on Pro Tour teams who play the RPTQ? <laughs> What's going on? What is happening? He has to double Q. We figured it out. Live double Q. He has to live double Q. Just just puppeting five other people. <laughs> or I guess this is before. What happens if that person would to play, were to play two PTQs? Like, let's say he won with this team. And then the next one, he just goes with two other people who are not queued. And he also just oh, wins. Wow. That. It's just, this whole thing is stupid. I just need to be clear about, about, you just need to clean it up. It's uh, clearly a disaster. <laughs> I'd be so sick. It's like, LSV, you have to play with these three teams that you help qualify for. Do, do you he think just LS- eight people into the PT. Do you think LSV knows which team he would have to team with? <laughs> Man, wow. Lots of, implica- lots of stuff, but I guess, I guess we're going to see uh, what Rob uh, thinks or is correct, and uh, we're going to... Sp- Probably have these rules more clear, and that uh, these people aren't allowed to play, um, right, Rob? Like, do you see anything that that might not be the case? Make it not the case? No, I, I mean, yeah, like the scenario of he's our, like someone's already qualified, they could win an event and carry two people into the PT, right? Not play with them, play another event, win with that team again, and carry two more people in. Just means that you can just see the chain of how this is stupid, and so I'm pretty sure Watsi will clean it up. It, I don't think it takes much more argument than that. <laughs> All right, uh, that was a fun, fun chat. Uh, I think that wraps up most of what we wanted to talk about uh, in the GP. Um, if you guys have questions, obviously throw them in the chat. But we'll jump into something more exciting, which is uh, the standard and modern format, especially with GP Toronto coming up and. Rob preparing for that, but let's go straight to standard where a lot of people, uh, at least on my feed or in my uh, circle of friends, uh, we're definitely talking about the Jim Davis list who, who finished third at the SCG Classic with blue-white auras. 
playing a dental vanguard, a card that I absolutely love in limited. The one one that attacks as a three one, but pay for life. So it's indestructible. That's like a perfect candidate for a, a boggle type of card. And then he throws in a bunch of the four blue cartouche, four white cartouches, uh, one trial solidarity, four curious obsession, uh, lots of stuff going on here. And uh, people are excited about this list. And what was your first reaction, Rob? You thought this was garbage. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the deck is not going to last the format, but it's cool that a deck like this can like be good in the beginning where like the, this deck is just taking advantage of the fact that people are not playing Magma Spray right now. Like if you just look at the Grixis list, you're playing like four Harness Lightning and a couple Fatal Pushes, and then like the rest of their removal suite is still set up for like Scarab God mirrors and like, you know, from old teamer energy like, stuff like that, right? And you just don't see a lot of magma spraying on anywhere, actually, even in sideboards. I can't find a list that has magma spray anywhere <laughs> in it at all. So, like, cards like Sacred Cat, um, and even Atonto Vanguard actually gets around a lot of the removal that people are playing right now that's cheap, so I think this deck gets, like, uh, really bad real quick once people ad- adapt. Like, if it becomes relevant, people people's removals adapt pretty quickly. So it, it's it's cool though because then um, that kind of creates some pressure on the f- on the removal in the format to move around, which means like the other aggro decks will will change their strategy to kind of take advantage of how the removal is set up. Like if Magma Spray gets really popular, you want to start playing stuff a lot of three toughness. I mean, like it's not rocket science or whatever, right? But uh, it it it's good. Decks like this being able to uh, to go deep are are good for a format. But no, I don't think that that is, in fact, itself good. <laughs> uh, what type? Of, what type of removal? Since since like all actually all the creatures besides Vanguard would die to a Magma Spray, and you would get good value against all of them because some of them have uh, Eternalize or, or Embalm, except the Vanguard, right? That survives. That. How, how would the format adapt to the Vanguard? Like you'll just you you'll be able to see more. Oh, adapt to the Vanguard. I think there's like um. Like baffling end, I guess. So baffling is a good answer. Yeah, baffling end's a good answer. Uh, there is a new black instant that isn't like super terrible. It's like black one, give a creature minus two minus two, gain two life, which is like you know it's not great. But if everyone's playing X twos, then it might as well like it's it's like as good as essence extraction or whatever, right? Um, so like that card would be a very good answer to. Uh, to Vanguard if it gets popular. I need to like kind of like swim through the instants and sorceries. Die Young would be another card that maybe Grixis would play, where like it can just deal with it very easily since you like actually get up in energy. I don't know, like Andy, have you looked look through or like have a better recollection of what's going on on the <laughs> removal side than I do? Well, there's the the card. I think it's called. It's either Moments Craving or Moment of Craving. It's like a minus two, minus two. You gain two life. <clears throat> so yeah, that card. Vraska's Contempt is already pretty popular. But now it's like an even more incentive to run that kind of thing. But Adante Vanguard is just a, it is a very powerful card. Absolutely. Like dodging a large chunk of people's removal is, is an enormous upside. <laughs> Were you about to say it's a beast? It's not a beast, dude. <laughs> a beast. It seems pretty awesome, though. It's a great card. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say like, because even with Boggles, that's, 
although I only had like eight of those type of cards, I was just hoping to get one and just it was just jam. And so in this deck, I'd be ecstatic to have Vanguard on the play and then go do a lot of shenanigans with it. Oh, there's Infest too, right? Like they reprinted Infest, but it's like much better. <laughs> so that, I mean, that card just kind of, that card tears this True. deck apart pretty good. True. I'm going to need more, more than one cartouche <laughs> to save it. Andy, do you, do you see any hope in, in this uh, deck, or do you think it'll be the format will adapt to it and, and it might be less effective? I, I, don't, I don't see uh, much, much hope to, to the deck, to be honest. Like, it's, uh, it's taking advantage that people still are, like, stuck in their old ways of the old format, like what you should do in the last format. So people are just stuck playing the removal spells that were good then because it's just so imprinted in their mind. But now they have to deal with all all these one mana cards and two mana cards that that have like uh, an effect from the graveyard as well. So they're going to have to adapt to it. And it looks pretty easy to adapt to it. Like uh, black has black has an easy answer. White has an easy answer. Red has an easy answer. Like green probably can just ignore these things for the most part, but it's going to play one of the other colors anyway. So like every deck's if it ever gets good, it won't be good anymore. Basically. <laughs> okay. I uh, lo- love the the unison on, on the takes today, guys. Um, <laughs> we'll try. We'll try and get a little more combative coming up here. Okay. A- any other decks in in this top sixteen uh, that that piques your interest, Rob? Yeah, there's there's a deck called Teamer Dinosaurs by Sean Joyce. It's okay. from the same event, the SCG Classic or whatever, and I think. This deck being in the top eight is a uh, nail in the coffin as to the blue white deck not not being a real deck. Because the only thing teamer about this dinosaurs deck is that it's flashing three Nissa Steward of Elements in the main, and then there's a couple negates and Ad- Admiral's orders <laughs> in the sideboard. So it's like real. He's this guy is really scared of settle the wreckage. <laughs> he's like very prepared to take on settle the wreckage decks. Um. This list is insane, and I kudos for this guy for like building it and doing well with it. But this is like just not this is not a great direction for this deck to go. Splashing for Nissa is this is like one of the worst Planeswalkers standard has ever seen, and uh, splashing just for that card just hurts my head. To be fair, I didn't. I was against playing it in the teamer sideboard. <laughs> When people were jamming one or two, I was like, there's got to be something else to do here. So, it's your only blue card. Uh, I don't know, man. This deck's got one creature that costs three or less. <laughs> just, just the yeah. one. Oh, yeah, he's just playing Drover. He's also like not playing Lightning Strike. He's playing Swel- four Sweltering Suns in the main. There's he just a lot of weird... About. There's just a lot of weird stuff going on uh, in this list. There's also like three Silent Gravestone in the sideboard and only two Death Gorge Scavenger. Meaning that like he thinks like uh, if you have option to play Death Gorge Scavenger, like that's pretty good actually against the um, the uh, God Pharaoh's Gift decks. So, I mean, and also Scarab God. Like I would probably at least start with four Scavenger before you'll see the first Silent Gravestone out of me. And I hope, hopefully, I'd never have to cast Silent Gravestone. (laughs) 
five mana to draw a card makes all the graveyards. I mean, you also have that the the desert, right? It's a cult scavenger grounds. So I don't know, man. It's just crazy. Just it's just crazy. <laughs> and the blue white deck came out of the same tournament. They both did basically equally as well. So so yeah, take that car. <laughs> Get those horrors <laughs> out of here. <laughs> um, I, I'm looking at other lists like this blue red wins list by Trevor Hunt. Definitely looks like a like a limited deck or something. Blue to me. Have you, yeah. Have you just check it out? It's just a bunch of like favorable wins and a bunch of flyers and virtue whirler virtuoso. Yeah. This does look like a good draft deck. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, see there you go. Look, we're just adding to the pile of why the blue white deck is probably not good. <laughs> But it's cool that like decks like this in the first week are able to be good because, you know, in the last format, these decks would never, ever be able to do anything relevant because like half the tournament's playing a very well-tuned teamer list. So now because people's removal is all over the place and they have a bunch of untuned decks and people are probably trying out strategies which are even worse than these strategies, these decks are able to like at least, um, you know, have some success early on in the format. So that, that's good. That's good. It, it's the sign of a good standard. So things are going to move for a couple weeks, and the Pro Tour is not going to settle things. So I don't think we have a GP for some time either, right? Pretty sure there's not a standard GP for quite some time. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. So, uh, yeah, may, maybe people will just be able to brew and play wacky things for a couple months, even. <laughs> I don't remember. There was like a previous format where just this deck really reminds me of that there I'm... was a really bad blue white flash blue red yeah, flash yeah. flash deck in like shadows over Innistrad standard where it's playing like a bunch of two mana two like rattle chains and a bunch of other guards. Yes, that's exactly what I'm thinking about. Yeah, like the like Spotter. That deck was also it had it had Thermo Alchemist or something and Fevered Visions, I think. Yeah, it was, was that the yeah, same I list? Remember. I can't remember. Was it? Anyways, yeah, that deck was also bad. <laughs> <laughs> but it did steal some wins sometimes. People were just like they were not set up to uh, to to also just kind of like make sure that it it can't get there and do its thing. Yeah, I was really excited about. Uh, well, these are decks that I used to be not to bring to a tournament, but excited to try. Okay, I'm just gonna crack, kill the meta game with with flyers that people will expect, but definitely the power level uh, of all these cards uh, of a lot. I of feel like there. I feel like the Teamer Dinosaurs guy played this guy for the top eight spot. <laughs> Because, like, this deck just scoops to Sweltering Suns. <laughs> so, I feel like this guy just got sweltered right out. <laughs> sweltered right out of the top eight. All right. So I, I guess it's too early. Too early for standard. Uh, Andy, there's no takeaways for you outside of Mono Red's likely still good. Well, so, like, the cool part about a new format is that even if standard ends up being bad, it's like good right now. Like uh, no matter what happens for now, when people get to like build these cool decks and no one has, has a clue what's happening. <laughs> it's it's actually good right now. And it will be good until people either solve it or it might be good even if people solve it. And that's where the, the truly great standard formats uh, uh, thrive. But um, there's no real incentive for the pros to smash standard right now. So it might get a, even a longer life than, than it would normally under the circumstances because, like, SCG changed their, a bunch of their standard events to modern and uh, the next GP is modern, the Pro Tour is modern. So, like, the standard format could uh, 
gets to live in denial of being this wide open, cool, meta game, sweet blue white auras world for a while. <laughs> I'm just eh, kind of kind of. If I were to try this, I'd try uh, check out Logan Berryman's uh, Green Red Monsters list. Looks like it might be sweet. <laughs> Plays uh, J Light Ranger, Brian's favorite card of the set. So that card's good. That, that card is definitely good. There's no question that that card is not good. <laughs> so this looks like a main deck thrashing Brontodon is also the spice of life. Three four man, three four for three. What, what else do you want? <laughs> and an ability. It, it beat out the second main deck Death Gorge Scavenger. Somehow, this is that week one stuff. There's three Heart of Kieran in this deck. This deck is wacky. <laughs> I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Um, Let's get right to modern. Uh, we can't talk too much about Rob's deck um, that he's been tinkering in the lab, uh, in the first strike lab, but you can definitely check out his thought. He's been killing the leagues uh, by joining First Strike Nation or First Strike uh, Facebook group. And uh, to be a member, go to patreon.com slash first strike. You've been killing it in the league, but uh, as we know, like MTGO results. Eh, don't can sometimes not mean much, just like SCG. So, how enthusiastic M- are you? M- MTGO is very weird. <laughs> um, the the meta has been moving quite a bit. Like when I started testing the deck, it was a lot of Tron, Eldrazi Tron, Grixis Death Shadow, and then a little bit of humans. Like that's probably like the fourth most popular deck. And then you would get like there were people playing like Four Colors Sahili and a bunch of other stuff that was kind of like new or whatever and people are kind of trying it out like um people are still playing dredge or like that weird black red dredge uh delve abomination thing going on so like the deck is good against all that kind of stuff save the um save the black red deck i I think like you should just scoop to that deck probably you can never beat it in a million you're just not set up to, to, to deal with that kind of nonsense um and then now it's really uh, shifted so that then like Jeskai Control came aboard and there's like a lot of spirit like uh, Jeskai Control like Jeskai Burn I guess with uh, with Geist and um, what's that stupid spirit called the two three oh my god spell queller spell queller yeah thanks so like a lot of spell queller stuff going on um, which is like you know a reasonable plan against like these Death Shadow decks and it doesn't have like a terrible matchup versus um, stuff that's good against Tron. And like other just like mid range and aggro decks, and then you just see like infinite aether vial hate bears decks. Like I, I play against mono white hate bears like once a league now, and that matchup is rough. <laughs> like not set up to deal with like Leon and Arbiter hating on my mana base and stuff like that, uh, which is probably good and uh, not a bad place to be. Um, and even like Merfolk's getting kind of popular, which I'm, I'm totally fine with, but. Uh, yeah, like the 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 format is like moving like crazy. I haven't played against Tron in like ten leagues, maybe something like that. Like it's been quite a while. And Burn's still very popular. Um, so I don't know what that says about the format. Like the reason we're not like really talking. I'm not talking about the deck list is because there's a few people that are thinking about that I know that have been like kind of working on it with me. Have or have decided they're likely to bring it to the Pro Tour. And so I don't want to be like, <laughs> okay, cool, yeah, you can take to the PT, but I'm just going to like leak all of the testing info on the podcast the, the two weeks before the event. 
Um, but I think the PT will probably be very different than what's going on in Moto. Um, but I know that like if you if you like control decks, we have a like the, the list is very good as far as control decks go, and it has like good game against um, other control decks, has good game against um, other mid range and aggro decks. It's just like those things that are like very much on the fringe, like dredge style decks or like even like combo. It's like good against combo, so. Like it has a lot of great matchups, but there's some matchups where like you're just you're dead, you're just dead. And black red, uh, flame wake phoenix, cathartic reunion garbage is definitely one of the decks that I've never beat. <laughs> just like I don't even know why I play the the two games. Like I should just save myself this eighteen minutes and scoop as soon as they're just like cast faithless living on turn one. A lot of the funky stuff you're mentioning, you're, we're not seeing on this like SCG modern classic, right? This black red deck. Um, mono white hate bears stuff that people are grinding in the queues but like what we're seeing here is like very straightforward burn affinity in fact that, that you like you mentioned there's still a lot of burn and stuff like that but we're not seeing the the funky black red stuff yeah i mean i i think it's just like people not being able to adapt like change decks on on the fly kind of like in real life i think the black red deck is probably if i had to guess less than 100 tickets online and a lot of those cards are probably stuff that you already have <laughs> so it's like probably much cheaper you can like probably just get in and start playing that deck for like twenty dollars uh if you're like an avid moto player already so that that just allows people to uh to kind of just like hop onto a deck very quickly you can also like hop into a deck in like three minutes join an event uh o2 drop join another event o2 and then sell your deck and get into another deck in like you know less than an hour, which like you just, you cannot do that in real life. <laughs> so yeah, things move much slower uh, in the paper realm. I will I will be taking that into account when I decide what to play for GP Toronto, because uh, Supreme Verdict is a card that I kind of fancy having access to, and I currently don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like this black red deck. You don't think it's real? I mean. I just, I'm not sure that it's actually better than Dredge. Okay. It's doing a lot of the same. I, I saw they're even playing like, uh, I don't even know what the card is. It's like Goblin, Goblin something. It's like one in a red sorcery. It's printed in 10th edition. You like draw four cards, discard three. And they're just like, you know, they're running that, they're running Burning Inquiry. <laughs> they're just like trying to dump their entire hand into their graveyard on like turn one or two and then cast like a Gurmag Angler and then start like, Returning blood gas and flame wake phoenixes until uh, until you die, and so like it's it's different in that it doesn't uh, usually play prize to amalgam, but like and it doesn't have a bunch of dredge cards. Instead, it has like a bunch of just like you know draw X, discard X spells. So I don't know. It's probably more consistent, I guess, that way. But it looks like it's less explosive. I don't know. It yeah, it's weird. It loses right. to Rip, probably, like, immediately loses to Rip. Um, Dredge has a little bit more game against Rip. <laughs> yeah, MTG Goldfish, it says it's 54.15 ticks to buy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, like... <laughs> $108. It features Hollow One, or Boy. Oh, yeah, it features Hollow One. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they, they get some pretty crazy Hollow One draws sometimes, I guess. There's some explosiveness there. I've been, like, double Hollow One done turn one before. That feels great. When you're just like, sure. Uh, Shockland tapped, go. 
<laughs> that's your response. You're probably dead. And it's uh, four four goblin lores. That's the card. Oh, goblin lore. Yeah, that's what it's called. Yeah. So that's hmm. And of course, the featured deck list for this deck is by Sovereign Olive. Uh, <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, seeing, I guess we're not going to move any. Uh, you're prob- you're not going to Toronto, but if you were, uh, you were going to play Affinity, I assume. And uh, we see like a pretty stock list, I think. Finish in second place in the SCG uh, Classic. Yeah, yeah, still paying a, quite a bit of attention to modern. I got a lot of friends who are playing in the GP, and I would certainly, personally, still play Affinity or Blue White Control. I think I think those are the two decks I would consider. And I know I would just eventually flip flop enough, and I'd be like, you know what? I played a crap ton of Affinity. I'll just play Affinity. The deck's never that bad, and. Super powerful deck. It's been one of the best decks in modern for a long time. No matter how much hate people bring, so I would just keep bringing that deck. Like now, plays Hope of Gearper. It's like the the newest tech to happen to it, and I think that's pretty good. I What's that? Cool. Combat again? Like, why are they playing Hope? Uh, combats against uh, Supreme Verdict and and uh, Time Walk Storm. I actually had a, a okay, sweet at the RPTQ. My opponent was playing a, an Azusa Primeval Titan deck. And they were playing the version with the Lotus Blooms to, to still packed people. And he had a Lotus Bloom suspended on one, and I just sacked the Hope of Gearper. And so then he just, like, lo- loses his Lotus Bloom, can't cast any spells that turn, and I just killed him the next turn. It's, it, I think it's really good. I'm trying two right now, just because I want to get more and more reps with it, but it's, it is very good. What do, you, what do you cut to make room for that? Uh, so people either cut the fourth Vault Scourge, or they cut uh, a, like Galblast. Like I'm down to two Galblasts at this moment, but I could see going back up depending on the format. Yeah, fair enough. That's uh, that's fair. I should also note that like Storm is still popular. It's like that quite a bit, and Boggles, the random Boggles decks have been popping up as well, uh, and th- those are annoying. <laughs> I hate playing against Boggles. Kyt's favorite archetype. A bunch oh, of hexproof donks. And uh, this reputation will never leave me. <laughs> um, hey, you managed to talk about blue white auras and standard. Man, you must have an affinity for boggles. It was a thing, man. It's like easy mode magic. It's like if someone was just starting out in standard, like this is the deck. <laughs> you can to, to be fair, like in magic. modern, the deck's not even that bad right now because like there's not really any incentive for people to play spell skate in their sideboard. So like you get a lot of a lot more free wins, and like engineered explosives is usually like just a one, maybe two of in like control decks, if yeah. they have them at all. So and like Liliana's yeah. gone, right? Like no one plays Jund and Junk, I guess, as much. Yeah, like oh, Liliana the Veil. Yeah, she's been. Um, people have been down on her recently as well. Yeah, agreed. That was like public enemy number one for the Boggles deck. I. You know, I would play, you know, you play Dryad Arbor, the one copy of Dryad Arbor, just to hope that you have a fetch land to keep it open for that so you can crack back, um, you know, crack it. You have White Cartouche. They were playing White Cartouche for a bit. Oh, yeah. So just, like, create a donk. I haven't uh, played Boggles since uh, since that new addition, exciting addition to the deck. Um, (laughs) Did you take a look at uh, the 2018 Super Affinity Guide by Ari Lax on SCG? He you know, he plays one hope in the main. Is that like what do you think is the consensus adjustment right now to just play one copy in the main and, and that's it? 
Yeah, uh, basically, I think it was Alex Bernancini who was the first what? person to put to put one in his deck that I saw like have a big result. <laughs> oh, and every, everyone started copying it, and I think one is the is consensus to like you have to play one because like it's a free win in itself sometimes against certain decks, and it's it's never really that bad compared to the other garbage you toss in your affinity deck. Honestly, like losing lifelink but gaining this ability is not that big of a deal sometimes and like you're playing a bunch of little flyers anyway so it still fits the theme of the deck while also giving you like that out like the the possibility to like to punk out one of the the decks that are based around spells like uh blue white control or storm hmm right i don't think there's any other innovation so they're just like slightly are you gonna try more copies yeah, I'm playing two right now. It is legendary, which is no no one no one would know if they didn't play the second one and have it die. <laughs> There's no way to find that out otherwise. How is a hope of Europe a legendary card? I'm glad that you told me that. I also did not know, and I would have never known because I would probably never cast that card myself. Yeah, I, I just cast the second one, and it asked me which one I wanted to say. <laughs> Uh, there's a couple of rules things that I've always wanted to try. Uh, that I, not that I've always that I do try out in Moto because I'm like, how does this work? I was like, oh, Moto will tell me. I'll just run a fake game, and uh, <laughs> I'll set up the board state. One of the ones I want to try out is um, I was not clear based on the wording for it, but there's um, Azor's Gateway or whatever. You know, you know what I'm talking about. It's like two, it's in standard two mana, one tap, uh, loot into exile. If you have five different mana costs, you flip it, gain five life and adapts for infinite mana or whatever. It was, I was like unclear if um, the cards in exile are like counted towards the gateway that exiled them, or if like any gateway sees all the cards in exile that, that have been exiled by the, the any gateway or whatever. So like if they abrade your gateway after you've exiled three cards and you play a new one and exile fourth, are you at four or are you at, are you at one? And I was not. 100% on the ruling for that. You gotta get to the lab. You gotta test it. <laughs> yeah, so I was, I was actually gonna message Ginger after the cast and see if we could <laughs> run run through a scenario where... Uh, you could just ask someone, like a judge. You never can trust judges, man. Jonathan Goodman. I've asked judges a bunch of questions, and like, it works like this. And then I play, do that in a tournament, and the judge is like, it doesn't work like that. Like, all right. That's enough asking judges. I ask Moto, and then I can just always reference Moto. And then if it doesn't work in real life, I'll file for comp IRL. I don't know. I, I've just heard that excuse so many times, though. It works on Moto, and it's like sometimes it's not it's not correct. Um, Rob, just ask Jonathan, man. He's okay. Elliot says that it doesn't work. In which case, the gateway's bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> ask Jonathan Good, regional coordinator. <laughs> He, he probably knows. It's fair. I guess we do have access to him. We should harass him. Let's yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, he listens to the cast, right? So now he'll he'll probably just message us inside the the Facebook group and be like, "Rob, you're an idiot." It works like this. <laughs> hopefully, Kim will um, Google. Just uh, shout out to Elliot for for linking me uh, quickly to the uh, Pro Tour club, like Pro Club updates, whatever the the, the Pro Tour rules. And I th- just so that we weren't uh, completely wrong. I think Elliot mentioned he had talked to Andy before the show and they were, it's still hella confusing, but, but I didn't know this. Uh, 
They had two stars, uh, two asterisks. No, for all for Hall of Fame members for this Pro Tour, Hall of Fame members may compete in PTQs at Grand Prix or RPTQs without first playing in a PPTQ. However, if a Hall of Fame player chooses to compete in a PTQ or RPTQ for this event, they will rescind their Pro Tour Hall of Fame invitation to the Pro Tour. Okay. I did not know this before uh, our discussion, so... So does that mean that LSV has rescinded his invite? Just his Hall of Fame invite. He's got two, dude. If he's qualified by other means, that's fine, right? What? He just threw out the back burner invite. (laughs) I feel like that doesn't encompass the spirit of that ruling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like multiple invites. Because like, their their intention is to say, like, if you throw your invite and then you requalify, then you're obviously going to play with the team that you qualified with, right? Uh, but if you're triple cute or whatever... <laughs> uh, anyways, cool. <laughs> Shout out to Elliot just in case, you know, uh, podcast listeners think uh, we were <laughs> talking on... on uh, Wrong info, but you know now that I'm reading it there, so I really appreciate uh, the link. So good to know. Good to know. We'll see. Uh, but they specifically said this pro tour, so who knows how they're going to manage it uh, in the future, or if they're going to have a similar type of format for the PT. Uh, speaking of PT and even GP and coverage, of course, GP Indie. We've talked about this on the show all the time. How limited coverage versus constructed. How you know everyone's gravitating to constructed and. Once again, Twitch showed that people wanted to watch SCG. Team Unified constructed more than Team Limited. Uh, the, the ratio was, was staggering, and but not unexpected. Uh, we didn't cover this a few weeks ago, but sort of related to that is the new structure for Grand Prix coverage by Rich Hagon, who posted an article how um, now for GPs, they're going to have like six specific segments, and he's calling it MTG Launch, The Pro Show, The Cut, on Sunday Good Morning Magic, MTG Red Zone, Sunday Night Magic, to really make it have a lot of these new offerings so that it feels like a more cohesive package and there's no dead air, there's no like random material that people don't care about or the same commercials running over and over again. Uh, most people were really excited about this. Rob, I think you're happy to see this is announced and a good initiative. A lot, this is going to be, I mean, kudos to to Rich if he's able to pull it off. And I love the guy. Yeah, so they already implemented this, I guess. Um, I hadn't read the article or saw his post, so I was kind of confused as to what they were talking about as I was watching GP Indie. And they're like, Welcome to Sunday Morning Magic or whatever they're calling it. Yeah, yeah my bad. This has already happened. I've talked as if it has. <laughs> and then, and then, like, uh, it got to like around twelve or something. And then Mar- Marshall's like, "You've entered the red zone." And then they, then all of a sudden they were calling the, like, I, I tuned out and tuned back in a few hours later after the top four started. And then him and Kendra talking about Sunday Night Magic. I was like, "What exactly is going on?" <laughs> but I, I guess. This is how they can kind of structure it so that they have three different shows, if you will, each day. And then each of those shows can be more geared towards a specific audience. It's not like they're being um, not inclusive to other people. It's just that they're like kind of amping up the, the true target audience of the material that they're, they're trying to uh, showcase. So like very clearly in the Sunday morning one, it's very casual. 
they're kind of being goofballs, making a bunch of weird jokes, and just like it's more like a podcast or whatever, um, like a casual podcast than like a what you're used to at a Grand Prix or a PT where it's like super professional. Everyone's talking about the best line and people making mistakes and you know, like how does this affect their tournament and the pro player points race and all that kind of stuff. It's like none of that nonsense is going on. They're like making fun of card names and, and being weird and goofy, which is, you know, like not for me, but it's cool for people that it's cool for. Right. So those people seem to enjoy it. And then I guess when they're in the red zone, it's a little more, gets a little more competitive and they focus on like, who's going to make top eight and kind of, you know, the players to watch and like what matters and deck lists and stuff like that. And then I guess, their Sunday Night Magic thing is seems also competitive. Although, like, what's not clear based on the name? <laughs> what the target audience is? But I guess since it's the top eight or top four, if it's a team event, that it, uh, <laughs> it, it'll be a competitively focused um, broadcast. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it'll last, but it's an interesting experiment, and I think it'll probably stick around. It seems like a reasonable approach. I mean, they obviously can't have two streams, so... I love how you're sort of like rewording his uh, by coincidence what what Rich said in his article. It's like MTG Red Zone is where things get serious. The pace <laughs> quickens, and every round you'll get the most important matchups. Um, but but Andy, uh, of course, uh, have you gotten to see this stuff? Uh, being since you competed indie, I don't know if you had a chance to check this out. Uh, no, no, I, I didn't check it out, but I, I read some of that article. I'm curious if if uh, Rob was it was it more entertaining to listen to or did you really even notice? By like, what do you mean? Well, which part was more entertaining? Like the whole like the whole day's worth of GP coverage or like certain segments? Like, were the did the segments make the whole coverage experience listening for you more or less entertaining? For me personally, I uh, couldn't care less. To be fair, um, but. Like, if you look at the Twitch chat while, like, the morning goofy stuff is going on, it seems like the people that are there and tuned in are interested in that type of coverage. Or, like, they're there to be goofy and they want to kind of, like, hang out with, like, Maria and JVL and Rich and just be, like, weird and wacky and stuff. So I think it was more enjoyable for them. For me, like, I, I don't I don't care at all uh, how they structure it. I just want to see great games of magic. <laughs> So I'll frequently also just mute um, the coverage <laughs> and just watch did, it. Did you see the the thing from GP Santa Clara, the Richie the Clown that Rich Hagon did? It's no. uh, it's one of the most awkward and obscene things I've ever seen on a stream. I I, I can link it later, or I can link it in the in the first strike group or something, but. It's crazy. It's it is very cringe. It's nothing to do with. Oh, it's the cringiest thing I've ever seen on a Twitch stream. <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> this I, is gonna I, be I, hard. I hope it's none of that. It's gonna be hard to find. Oh no, it's not. I have the link right now. Uh, all right, <laughs> we'll check it out. <laughs> I mean, I just googled Richie the Clown, and it did not help. <laughs> um. Well, let's title this final topic. Uh, I'll give a chance for uh, people in uh, the chat to, to ask us any final questions that we can uh, quickly run through in like some quick fashion. But before that, I just want to ask, that, Rob, have you ever checked the Super League, the Vintage Super League that they did? I, I never checked it. And by looking at the YouTube views, they do have like several thousand. Like obviously, they usually run live on Twitch, and and they're putting past broadcasts on YouTube, so they're going to get less views in general, but 
I'm not really sure how many people are actually interested in in, in these things, actually, to be honest. I, I think it's, like, as popular as, like, a normal stream. Like, I've seen them in, like, if you, like, at the... And when you look in Magic the Gathering, they have, like, 600 to 1,000 viewers at times or whatever. So I think people are tuning in. But the Vintage Super League, I think it is a broad name that encompasses... Um, all of their random super leagues. So they'll have like modern super league, standard super league, draft super league, and some other weird super leagues going on. Yeah, they branched uh, out. I think it's, I think it's because the first couple of seasons were were just vintage, and they've yeah, I think so. Since. Yeah, I think you, uh, Randy wanted to like have somewhere where vintage was relevant again. <laughs> so you got like the top sixteen vintage minds or whatever to play uh, to play some online matches, which is like cool for people that want to see that. I usually don't tune into that broadcast, um, but I, I have like from time to time. If there's like nothing else anywhere that I kind of want to watch, and I'm interested in in watching some magic stuff, or like sometimes like the modern Super League is kind of interesting. Or, like they have like a lot of very well known pros there, and it's like okay, like what do these guys decide to battle with? Like you can get a lot of data when you see like. Um, Reed Duke playing Jund against like Paul Rizzo playing Affinity or something, right? It's like, okay, the winner of that match, like both people were playing at like their peak, very likely, and they also know how to play those decks like very well. So like that result kind of ma- matters. It's not like makes sense. Uh, yeah, just two people jamming against each other. It's like, oh, Jund is great against Affinity, and then like you just give those two decks to other people. It's like Affinity never loses to Jund. It's like, okay, what are we doing here? <laughs> the state is all meaningless. But uh, but yeah, sometimes it's useful for that kind of stuff. But for vintage, no, I don't. I don't personally care about the actual format vintage. But if if they're playing modern, I'm interested in that. Andy, I know you check out some funky content from time to time. Are you a fan of of any season of the league? Uh, was it something you actually like really cared to watch? Yeah, I've watched. Uh, I think I watched the standard Super League when it happened, and I've watched the modern. I think they did a modern one before, and I, I watched that. I've also watched. Uh, the vintage one as well, and it was more so because at the time the people talking were pretty entertaining, more so than like me caring too much about the games. But uh, he's completely right about when you're watching like these two like upper echelon players go at it. It just means so much more to see these players going at it in the Super League, and it's pretty cool. It's it's cooler to me than turning on a random GP and seeing like uh, Paulo play against some guy I've never heard of. I'd rather watch this than that. But So I'm pretty excited for this because it seems like they got a funky format going on for it. They got like some Hearthstone-style... They've got, yeah. Yeah, like a Hearthstone-style deck thing where like when you lose, you have to pick... or Yeah, when you lose, you pick a new deck and you get to like go at their previous deck, I think. Last Man Standing or something. What it? I thought, what I thought is like, well, they, they have that type. Of, but what I was uh, drawn to, I think this is likely the first time they did it, is the more League of Legends uh, type thing they've done. Which is, I, I just got the page in front of me. Team submits six different modern decks, which are published ahead of time. The opposing team gets to ban one of your decks. So once the deck loses, it is eliminated. When choosing who plays next, you can send them out with any of your remaining decks. Uh, yes, with the exception of the first match, you'll know what you're playing against. Note that one deck on the losing side will go unplayed and unbanned. As far as the winning side goes, it could, in theory, be one player winning four straight with the first deck. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool because like it allows like you to see the bad matchups for a deck and the counterplay that people are going to choose. It's like 
like shows you what side of the metagame you want to be on when you see these pros switch to like uh, deck C versus deck A. And like that itself is a cool insight, let alone just seeing the pros play against each other, which is already going to give you a lot of good, valuable information. Yeah, I should read the first part first. Like they call it the conqueror format. Uh, Whenever a player wins a match, they keep playing with the same deck until somebody knocks them off. First team to win four matches takes the overall team series. Once a player loses, they're out until everyone on the team has a loss. In other words, everybody plays until they lose once. And then one person gets a second chance. Functionally, it will play out as best four of seven. I really think this is a sweet format and adds a lot of data, if you will, for Rob in <laughs> competitive data. And yeah, it's, we'll it's interesting. I'm not sure if I like the ban a deck portion um, of this for Magic specifically, but we'll we'll see how it goes. I mean, they're just like kind of straight up copying the League format of, of other events, right? So. It's probably fine to keep it consistent like that, and then and then see what the result is. It's just like I feel like, like Grixis Death Shadow or something. It's just like you're just not going to get to see it on camera now. It's just like, uh, no, that's. It, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It, that's going to be unfortunate, I think. But uh, the other stuff is going to be interesting. I wonder what the strategy is going to be. I wonder if it's going to be like everyone's just picking like zero hundred decks, like decks that have like no fifty fifty matchups. Like you're not going to see Jund. Or anything represented, it's going to be like ad nauseum, like Grishel Brand, Affinity, uh, like mono white hate bears, and like red green Tron or something like that, or red green scape shift. And you're just gonna whoever gets the best pairing in the first round ends up winning because they win the first match, and then they also are definitely going to win the last match because everyone's like has a like a, a buy or a definite loss <laughs> set up. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's it's going to be cool to kind of see how it plays out. <laughs> yeah, it's not like I guess in in league it's more interesting because you get to ban like a hero that maybe a player is famous or known for. I mean, th- there might be a case here. Like, let's say if you know, I'm trying to imagine, he's not on this list, but like I don't know, Frank Carlson was there, and you and Affinity or Craig Wesco. Um, but out of this list, I'm I'm not sure you're gonna get that. You're probably gonna get like like you said, Grixis, the Shadow Band, the most, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I'm not sure that it ports over. Like, it kind of makes sense from like a Hearthstone and and LOL perspective, I guess, because you don't want someone to just be like the master. You want to force them to branch out and be good at other things. But Magic at this level of play is. It's very rare that someone is like a, a, Actually, a specialist and a specialist only. I wonder if you could, if there's a way you could make your six decks just have like one specific matchup that it's really bad against, and then you just ban that. If that's a way you can set it up, that'd be an interesting strategy. Oh, like we're only bad to Tron and we're just going to pinch. Yeah, we're just going to bad Tron. You can't beat us. Like, <laughs> now you got all these decks that have either okay or bad matchups against our decks. What if, what if they bring red, green, and black, green Tron? <laughs> Are you allowed? Oh, yeah, I guess we're allowed. I don't know what's. No, they're, not, they're not allowed. They're not allowed. There's oh, some really? other deck building restrictions. It says they oh, yeah, can't yeah. have more than two cards appear in the same list across the decks or something. So, the, like, for Tron, you can only include two of the Ursus lands. 
in your second Tron deck, it's probably not very good at that point. Okay, so I'm going <laughs> to read that. The definition of different deck we're working with, we're working with, just like Hall of Famers and PTQs, is as follows. Two decks may not overlap by more than two non-land, non-sideboard cards. There are no constraints on lands or sideboard cards. The number of cards is not relevant. We just go by card name. So, for example, deck A and B can each have four Thoughtseize and also four Inquisition of Kozilek, as long as they have no other main deck spells in common. Deck C may also have four Thoughtseize, etc. More than two non-land, non-cyborg cards. Okay. Got that. I think it's going to be interesting. They're borrowing from other stuff. Um, Andy, would you rather hear the players? Or would you rather have like some really awesome commentary team? I think uh, I think it should be commentary because like the players discussing their place will like tip off the other player what they're going to do too much or like if they can hear each other or it's it's either they can hear each other or they're both just talking into the wind and no one knows when they can and cannot talk for the most part. So I think it's got to be commentary. Okay, it wouldn't really make sense otherwise. Otherwise, like oh, I think I should bolt that. No, I'm not going to bolt it. And then the guy goes, like, "Whoa, if I run out of lightning bolt." <laughs> And yeah, so uh, lo- looks like I was incorrect. It's just non-lands, not non-basic lands, mm-hmm. which I feel like playing a bunch of Tron lands also breaks the spirit of the rule because that was clearly to accommodate, <laughs> like you know, that there's not infinite names for fetch lands or shock lands or whatever. That's like kind of necessary to make the format run, but you know, whatever. I I hope somebody comes with six different Tron decks. Rob Spirit <laughs> of the Rules Lombardi. I think we got <laughs> we got our title of the cast. <laughs> Spirit of the rules. Um, I, I just guy. Spell colors to that. <laughs> I'm with you, Andy, on the whole commentary thing because I, I think when I tune in, some pros or some participants of this league they had just had either terrible video or audio. So if you could just like reserve it for a setup for, with two people that are going to do it week in and week out, or or for the weekend specifically for that, I think that would up the production. Uh, Amazingly. And uh, Jeff Bugenhagen says, Majors and Andrew Brown do commentary. So if they're doing it for that, that's awesome, actually. That sounds tight. Yeah, that sounds tight if that's actually what's going to happen. And, yeah, I look forward to this. Yeah, as, as long as Majors got a new webcam. I don't know if you ever watched his stream when he streamed for a little bit. It was some of the poorest quality stuff I've seen. <laughs> I have not. I have not. But hopefully that Watsy money bought him a new webcam. <laughs> we'll give uh, shout-outs to our first strike producers, Jonathan Good, regional coroner in the house. Um, he's in the nation, so you can use him as a resource, Rob. <laughs> Kyle Smirchik, Jay Thomas, Eaton, Sasha, Papo, Derek Pite, Matthew Kelly, Adrian Murchison, and everyone in the first strike nation as well for supporting the cast and everything that we do. Um, think people are asking me if i'm gonna be in toronto uh, there's still a chance that i show up uh definitely a small chance i think andy's out for sure and, and rob is in and so hopefully i will i know phil p sams really wants to see me but we'll see if i can make it work i watched that rich hagen clown thing it's very creepy okay i gotta check that out <laughs> they didn't do that at gpnd 
by the way. But I feel I'm like I feel like it was in it was in their range. Like it's coming again. So. <laughs> it's coming again. <laughs> I just can't imagine him throwing it out there and being like, "We're running it." <laughs> Run the clip. <laughs> I think he wanted to know. He really wanted to test the boundaries, right? He's like, "This is our goofy segment. Let's go." To eleven and see how the people respond. We'll set the bar high and see, see if we can go there. Uh, judging by the comments, people were um, they had reactions. It was very emotive. So <laughs> I gotta check that out. Uh, last thing, the F two F, the face to face games tournament series, uh, started with a bang. Vancouver over uh, from what I hear. I'm going to get the, to know the exact numbers tomorrow uh, at the office. But 162 players, more than that, showed up uh, to play the main event in, in the Vancouver Open. So that's insane. I remember a couple of years ago, we probably couldn't get more than 30, 40. Um, and now it's going to this size. And uh, we're going to Calgary. This, the, the series is going to Calgary this Saturday, where, again, we expect over 150 players. So uh, really exciting to see that the series is growing. and. Uh, yeah, go to f2fseries.facefacegames.com to see if there's a stop near you. It's uh, Canada-wide, so sorry to all the American viewers and, and listeners. And uh, with that, any last, any last things, uh, Andy? Um, uh, sh- shout out to Elliot for uh, figuring out that the website was hacked. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and also for like uh, doing some digging, doing the research, doing the hard work. Yeah. I'll... Uh, I'll do a quick shout out to Kyle Dunking. I saw like the Soul Forge, the only Soul Forge champion ever dropped in. Hashtag Paw Patrol. Uh, <laughs> Rob, uh, I don't have anything. I'm O two in my current league. I've, I'm kind of, I'm testing out some weird changes and it's bad. Thinking about dropping, but stay uh-huh. tuned. I'm kind of, I'm kind of proud of myself. Okay, if you like this video. Uh, give a, leave us a thumbs up, please. It helps a lot. Uh, I'm just proud of myself. The, the thumbnail that appears up next on the video on the YouTube page is Jerry Thompson on Dex on Death Shadow that got 1.2k views, and that's because like the banner is so clickbaity. It's like Jerry T on Death Shadow, best deck in modern. That still is though. It still actually is. So it holds true. So maybe there's some uh, cool info in there. Uh, and with that. For, for Andy, Rob, and me, and Brian, and the rest of the team, Kyle, uh, Dag, Doug, um, Alex Bianchi. We'll see you next time.